Welcome to the Rooted Business Podcast. I'm Rachel, your intentional marketing architect. I'm Jess, your systems and ops guru. This podcast will talk through our experiences as seasoned business owners, open up about our triumphs and challenges. We'll share candid conversations and invaluable insights to help you establish a business that stands the test of time. Together, we've navigated the ups and downs of running a successful online business, and we know firsthand the importance of finding harmony in your hustle. Each episode will dive deep into the inner workings of your business operations and marketing strategies while we peel back the layers to reveal actionable advice and practical tips that you can implement right away. We won't stop there. We believe that true success goes beyond profits and the growth charts. That's why we'll explore the critical role of wellness and mindset in your entrepreneurial journey. Because burnout is a real threat and we're here to help you avoid that. Together, we'll uncover the strategies and practices that prioritize your well-being, ensuring you have the energy and resilience to thrive in the long run. Join us as we delve into intentional business growth, sharing personal stories, lessons learned, and expert advice that will empower you to make informed decisions to grow your business. So if you're ready to harmonize your hustle and create a business that thrives while honoring your inner balance, don't miss out on The Rooted Business. Subscribe now and embark on this transformative journey with us. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rooted Business Podcast. My name is Jess. I am your operations. I don't know why I'm introducing myself. I think we just did that. But anyway, we're back. We've never done a full intro. <laughs> We're back. And We're back. this is actually a re-record uh, because we had some technical issues for this. But I know it's one of Rachel's favorite topics to talk about. Today, we're going to be talking about the customer journey. Yeah. And I actually just made a post about this yesterday about how some people who operate without a customer journey and play have to result in these ick tactics of oversharing certain things, non-transparency. You can look back at the ethical marketing episode, but essentially would you have a customer journey in place? You really become kind of into that like predictable, consistent way of staying within your business and within your marketing. And it gives you a level of confidence that really shows you that, okay, it's working compared to a lot of business owners who just are throwing spaghetti at the wall and have to wing it and figure things out and do crazy launch tactics in order to meet their revenue goals. So kind of what we're going to be talking about today is the customer journey. We'll talk about like one, some of my favorite metrics inside like the customer lifetime value, customer retention, and then the various stages inside of the customer journey because you have a customer journey before purchase and then you have a customer journey after purchase and all of those things. So let's do Yeah. 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 I'm very excited to talk about this topic. I've been thinking a lot about how we unintentionally make our businesses more complicated or more complex or cause chaos. And I think that not having a customer journey can be one of those like places that you just cause extra chaos because when you have a clearly defined customer journey, like you're not having to create like 
tons of different content and all kinds of things. It's like one focused thing. I think a lot of times when I first go into some people's business, team lead magnets and like all of these different offers. And I think that's where we start making things a little more complicated. And I think by really focusing on this like intentional journey is a way to not only simplify the work you're going to have to do because you're going to have to create less content, but it's also, like you said, like a way to get things on autopilot. Yeah. So I think let's start with kind of something you just said where a big mistake that I see people doing that are operating without a customer journey is creating 10 plus offers to sell more, do, yeah, I guess sell more and just feel like their offer suite is inclusive of everybody's needs. But in reality, your offer suite should really be some type of a linear stepping stool for someone to get their feet wet, get a little bit more intention with you, get more hands-on support and move through the customer journey in a linear path. Right now, a lot of people have competing offers against each other. And that's a lot of time where that's something that you'll confuse your own customer buyer. Wow, customer buyer, um, not enough coffee today. (laughs) You'll confuse your Um, ideal clients and they will essentially just not buy because they're stuck in like analysis paralysis. Yeah, I think this is one of my big lessons that I took away like this year is that we had talked. So we've talked before about me being like an online generalist and like how to frame my offers to be more like specific where they're not competing against each other because I did look at my sales page and I'm like, oh my gosh, I have, do they get this or do they get this? And like, how do they decide? And I think really just um, trying to determine like what that chef's kiss offer is for your clients and really focusing on maybe even for me, I'm going to try to focus on just selling like that one offer. And then of course, if I get people on the phone and like budget's an issue, like I can have backdoor offers that would be like, or something to offer them if they're going to need more support. But I think really honing in on like that chef's kiss offer so you can really talk about that and lead all of your your customers to that offer. I see it in my head. I still have to actually make it happen. Um, and me and Rachel are going to work one-on-one. We might even do like some recorded podcast of me going through this process, but I can see that and I can see how much more simplicity and predictability and just calm that that tap that I guess, way of approaching it is going to bring to my business. Yeah, definitely. And I think in that, let's talk about your offer suite in particular. So in your massive mega offer, the best way to break that down, and I know that we've talked about this offline, is making it digestible steps for them. Because you, when they come to you, you're like, oh my gosh, we can do all of this. But they, in reality, like, well, I just need support with this. And so really, maybe it's the organizational side of thing and like visibility of all of the things that they have to do. And then you start to get into the optimization side of things. You can almost set up your customer journey in like phases of death, like of support. Like in my customer journey in particular, I have an intensive where we cover like the foundational components. I would never go in and start talking about, oh, we need abandoned carts here. Oh, we need, I do talk about A-B testing, but we don't get into the weeds here. We make sure that this foundation is as solid as possible. And then they operate into that space. And I have about a three to six month like incubation period. And then they come back to me ready for like phase two. And so kind of what a customer journey should be like 
even if you're using something of blitz or a passive offers, the passive offer offer should establish like a very accessible win and get them like their feet wet with what you're delivering for them and all of that. All right. What else, Rachel? <laughs> Let's talk about one of my favorite metrics, which is the maximizing customer lifetime value. So I always break this down for all of my clients when I tell them, like, it's very easy to forecast goals when you have a customer journey and you have, let's say, like an email list or an email marketing automation strategy in place to deliver those upsells and downsells. Essentially, they're very simple. Customer lifetime value is like the amount that they're spending with you over their lifetime and taking into consideration the number of times that they purchase. So I always add in that second component because you have a lot of people in the online space who are like, oh, just make someone buy a $5,000 offer and that's your maximum customer lifetime value. Not everybody is ready to drop 5K on something in the online space for their business. So if you could say, all right, the first thing they're going to do is a $200 offer. The next thing they're going to do is maybe like $1,000. And then finally, when they're ready, they'll spend that $3,000 to $5,000 here. That's building customer lifetime value and having three times that they essentially swipe their credit card with you. It's really important because sometimes people aren't ready to spend that 5K. And sometimes people in your funnel will never spend that 5K with you. But if you provide opportunities for them to access and gain knowledge at certain lower and middle touch points, you can actually create more conversions in your business over the span of everything instead of hoping and wishing someone's ready to spend 5K with you. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So we have back in the retail, if I'm like relating this right, we had like average transaction. Right. And that would be a number that we could really heavily control in our business because we had already taken the time to convert the customer. They were buying something with us already um, since they trusted us. It was easier for us to add on something that would be complementary to that item that they were getting. Or sometimes like sometimes, you know, the mall, your business, everything goes through like slower seasons money with you or already purchasing something with you versus trying to go out get somebody over that like marketing bridge through from like internet mainland onto your offers yeah and i will add the loyalty and client experience is very very important in having a maximum customer lifetime value i think there's a lot of people and i was just talking to someone in my dms about this yesterday about how someone can a lot of people in the online space like push these big $5,000 offers and then you get in because their marketing is so good. And then you realize that, oh, the delivery isn't here. Mm -hmm. And so really making sure that you're building trust and delivering a really good experience throughout the entirety of it is the only way a customer journey works. If someone comes into your space at, let's say, $500, and they have a really bad experience or they don't necessarily get the wins that you had promised them in your marketing, there's no way that they're going to spend the next map, yeah, the next step or go into the next point of the journey with you. So really making sure that as an ethical business owner, right, you're not just marketing to make money. 
your marketing to deliver an experience and to give that client a win. I think that that's so, the most important thing because without that good experience, you're just like taking money from people. And yeah. I think there's so many people in the space that do that. And it's. It, yeah. And I kind of have a like a real life example that I've seen with like my dietitian clients. Because sometimes when I hear the amount of money you get someone, I'm like, oh, that kind of feels a little icky to me. But let me give you an example that's really like helpful and beneficial for your customers. So a lot of my dietitian clients, they will work with their clients for six months to grow up their nutritional needs, get them, you know, help them overcome whatever like symptom that they are facing at the like at like really causing them pain at that time. So they'll work with them for six months, get them all fixed up. And then it's, well, you fixed them. So like, where is next? But there's always going to be probably like an opportunity. Like one of my clients offers a continuity community where it's just like that accountability and like a place for her to share like any new things that she's learning about you know, the specific symptoms that she addresses. Or one of my clients also offers like lab testing later on, like where they'll read your labs and like kind of do a check-in so that you don't like backslide back into it. So it's not just like adding on to just add on for adding on sake. It's adding on because you're really adding on to the customer value. Yeah, there's like an intentionality behind it. And I've seen so many times where your customer base, let's say you are a really great business owner. You're delivering an experience that is like amazing, but you still don't have a customer journey. A lot of times your ideal clients or your your actual clients themselves will tell you what the next step is for your business. Yeah, exactly. Like where you can force it, right? I've seen some clients of my own who have tried to create that kind of like alumni program after. And because the experience was so hands-off initially, they didn't have that no like trust to come gauge and to fully drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. But yeah, so I think like when you have delivered it, your clients asking you for more, you can easily do what your clients are also it's like, oh, I need a maintenance membership. I want to stick around in this. How can we do this? Those are the things and the cues that you should be listening to in order to build a customer journey that your actual clients are going to participate in. Yeah, because I think when I was first hearing about this you know, like concept or whatever, I thought like it always had to be more money, but like actually the back end of one of my bigger offers it's just kind of momentum support or maintenance package, like you're saying, where I'm showing up less for them, but I'm still around. Like they've got just in their back pocket to ask questions or troubleshoot any tech issues that would come up based on things that I've already set up for them. Yeah, I just mapped out a customer journey for an intensive yesterday, I believe. And it was like having a $2,000, like the main like midpoint. And then dropping them down into $170 offer from a monthly perspective afterwards. It doesn't always have to be more. It's just focusing on retention to build out that customer lifetime value. I think that's the most important thing as well. Got it. So that's going to bring us to our next metric, which is customer retention, which I think Jess and I have done. I really, really, I think that's what held my business up for the first two years was the fact that I retained my clients so long. Um, it made it really easy to build and learn in that first like year to two years of business. Tension is absolutely crucial for like business sustainability um, and really understanding that as you're bringing people in, 
And I actually, somebody told me this the other day, it was like a month or so back. And I was doing a discovery call and they're like, yeah, I get your goal is to keep me in the retainer as long as possible. I go, that's not my goal, but my goal is to set you up with a platform or an email marketing strategy that is sustainable. It works. It built for the long term. What my clients tell me is that I can just manage it myself after it's all set up. They're like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like we we don't want to take this back from you. And that's like where the mindset is with some agencies where they're like, yeah, we're just going to keep adding things on and creating problems. And it's like, that's not always the case. Sometimes retention is just because you do it better. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that too. I actually was just thinking when you said that, I'm like, I have only brought on this whole year from the beginning of the year. I've only had two new clients. The rest were already with me in December. And that's sustained $100,000 business this year. Um, Hopefully I'll bring on a couple of more because I want to expand. But like I said, like retention is everything and it's not something that like is happening in a shady way, but I've intentionally built this where my clients want me around for more of the strategic planning kind of piece of it. They want me around for the accountability for their team. And like most of them just don't want to mess with the tech. So they like having me there as well. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. So then I think we talked a lot about the offer suite itself, but I really want people to understand like your customer journey doesn't just begin when they start like an offer, like when they spend money with you, it really does begin like as soon as they become aware of you. So think of two layers of your customer journey. You have the payment offer suite and then you have the awareness. So how aware are they of the problems that they have and how ready are they to fix the problems as well? And if you overlay those on top of each other, you should really be able to build out like marketing and fun automations for upsell. The reason why email marketing works so powerfully with the customer journey is because you can deliver that super curated experience that says, oh, you downloaded my lead magnet. This is at the very beginning of my customer journey in a very low awareness side of things. How can I get you to then become more aware to take this first step? And I think that's one of those things that I always try to tell people that when you are building out a customer journey, it can feel so, so overwhelming. But in reality, you just need to pinpoint what's the next obvious step and then work your way to the next obvious step instead of saying, here's this big, expansive, multiple offer, multiple client awareness stage. How do we make this thing digestible, really, really simplify it and just say, all right, this person's ready for this. And then they're going to be ready for this. And then this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes it so much more simple when you're doing everything. Like how many lead magnets do you have, Rachel? Oh gosh, I'm making one right now, but I always retire. I never have more than two. So I always retire one as soon as I come out with a new one. But I've seen some businesses with like 20 plus. And I'm like, oh, this is overwhelming, stressful. And at some point you have, you're probably sending way too many emails to one person who opts in because you're, there's no way to manage that many automations. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I've been working with my clients to bring them down and make sure your lead magnet always leads to something. I think some <laughs> like it's called a lead magnet for a reason. Um, And I have very creative clients, very clients that are passionate about helping people and you know they have 
all of these good ideas about guides and trainings that they want to do. And it's like, that's amazing, but let's not just create for creating sake. That's part of like what's adding to sometimes the chaos of your biz. Let's make sure that, you know, everything that there is like somewhere else where we're directing them to go to. So there really is yeah. that break. People say funnel. I think bridges are funner. Lauren, I <laughs> like uh, bridges. I do bridges um, versus funnel, but for sure. Yeah. But I do think that's a big misunderstanding in the cl- customer journey side of things is if your lead magnet is part of it, your lead magnet is giving them that first win, whether they spend money or not. And it's going to eventually then convert them to the next step. So really making sure that your top of funnel is curated and is calling in the right people. I've seen some people get it a little backwards. What I would say is that they think their lead magnets is to grow their list, but your lead magnet, it's literally in the name. It's to attract leads to eventually convert. And so sometimes when you have that little like gap in knowledge of being like, so this is just here to grow my email list. It's like, and then what are you going to do with them? (laughs) Once they're on your list and then what? So really understanding that like lead magnets are co- opponent are a component of your customer journey as well. For sure. For sure. All right. Are we ready to wrap it up or you stop some more things to say about our top of funnel? No, I think we're I think we're good. We went through this bad. Yeah. So when you're thinking about like your customer journey, right? Like I'm picturing this cascade of things like that you would want to have set up first. And it's really, you'd want to have like your offer first, right? Make sure that that's like clued in, right? And then that's going to inform like what your lead magnet is and really like the marketing in that like bridge or in that funnel. And then it's going down to the content or the attraction content or whatever you're doing marketing wise to attract the people into that funnel. And by simplifying all of calm the chaos in your business, because it's going to be a really streamlined approach. And then that's just going to funnel down to the operations part of your business where you're going to have less processes. You're going to have less of a tech stack. You may not even need three different VAs to manage things because once you've got that like streamlined journey, it's really going to help to like and this is something that I didn't understand, but it's finally Rachel made a light go off in my head. Like, can't wait to like, get this together. I also do like for like multi-passionate people like myself, like that like to offer different things and sometimes get bored. It's like, it's not permanent. If I decide to change my offer like next year, it's fine. I would just have to go back and create a whole new like customer journey for that. But I think for me, I've resisted this for so long because I'm like, I don't know what I want to offer. I want to do this. I want to do this. And it's like, just pick one. Pick one that's going to make you the most money right now. Get that guy set up and flowing. And then that's going to give the freedom if you have the time, space, and desire to create another one as well. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is don't, whoever is listening to this, please do not go out and create four new offers. Like create two that feed into each other and then what your clients ask for or what you learn about your customer journey, then you can create a third. It does not always have to be like I have a my client journey, customer journey is literally just two touch points. It's an intensive that upsells itself into a retainer and it does really well. 
and really understanding that like it doesn't need to be a big multiple touch point, multiple offer type customer journey. It can easily be two that do a great job of upselling to each other or downselling to each other and really making sure that like you're not overcomplicating it. Like exactly what Jess said, like simple is the most important thing right now. And then like just leaning into what's being called to you, what you want to do for that next step as well. Yeah. And I hope that if this kind of bubbles up anything, if this has put any light bulbs for the listeners that they let us know, because this is what why we create these podcasts, why we create these episodes that like we want it to be beneficial to the people listening. All right. Well, until 